0: Hi there, and welcome to In My Words, Jumo Health's podcast series that brings the experiences of real patients directly to you. At Jumo, we provide resources for children and families to help them understand, manage, and own their health. Learn more at JumoHealth.com. This episode has been kindly supported by MS Australia and is sponsored by Roche Australia.
1: In my words, MS means a challenge, often a confronting challenge, but also just another part of daily life, and it's time to get on with it.
0: Hi, I'm your host, Rebecca. Those were the words of Astrid Edwards, a multiple sclerosis advocate who, six years ago in 2013, was diagnosed with relapse-remitting multiple sclerosis, or MS. Astrid is one of our guests for the next two In My Words episodes. To lead us through, we have our local Australian colleague, Alyssa. Hi, Alyssa.
2: Hi, Rebecca. Hi, listeners. Thank you for joining us. As Rebecca mentioned, for our next two episodes, we met with the lovely Astrid to hear her story.
1: Hi, my name is Astrid Edwards. Uh, it's great to be here. I am a writer, a podcaster, a teacher. And also a National Advocate for MS Australia. To start, we asked Astrid what she loves to do. I love to read. I actually teach writing at university, so reading and writing is what I do most of all. I adore also listening to other stories. on am a podcaster myself. And basically, anything with words and stories makes me very, very happy. And travel, of course.
2: We also had the pleasure of speaking with Dr. John Parrott, a neurologist in Sydney who shared his clinical insights on living with and managing MS.
3: Hello, my name is John Parrott. I'm a neurologist at Royal North Shore Hospital in Sydney and also an academic senior lecturer at the University of Sydney.
2: Today's episode is all about living with MS and some of the challenges someone living with it may face. Astrid was 32 years old when she was diagnosed, but months before then, she felt that something wasn't quite right.
1: For about the 12 months before my diagnosis, I suspected that I was pretty ill. I wasn't feeling great, was very, very tired, had all of these strange sensations that I really couldn't place, and they weren't consistent. So I would feel them for a while, then they would go away, and I would pretend that everything was fine.
2: Astrid's symptoms worsened over that year until she finally sought medical help. I eventually started to lose feeling
1: in my feet, from the soles of my feet, and it slowly rose over the course of eight days all the way up to my abdomen. Now, in those eight days, I went to the GP twice. I had lots of blood tests. No one really knew what was happening, and eventually the GPs just said, you have to go to emergency. And I did, and it was really a strange thing because the GP printed me out a letter and called the hospital and said, I have a patient who is literally walking herself over to emergency. Can you deal with her, please? It
2: still took days before Astrid understood what was going on. They didn't really know what to do with me because the only
1: way you can verify if you have MS is to get an MRI. And, you know, they don't just give out MRIs instantly. So I spent the night in hospital and then I was discharged the next day, came back a few days later for an MRI And then, you know, a week later was called back in and told that I have multiple sclerosis, which was a shock.
2: The time around Astrid's diagnosis was very hard for her. She was physically and emotionally drained. When I was first diagnosed with MS, I didn't feel great.
1: And I didn't feel great emotionally, did not deal with it very well. And I also didn't feel great physically because I was in the middle of an MS relapse.
2: The months following Astrid's diagnosis were also very difficult. I felt horrid, and I didn't know how
1: to even begin to deal with the feelings because I looked the same way I'd always looked, I was actually going to work, I was just tired and my body wasn't doing the things it was supposed to do, so I had numbness, pins and needles, tingling. I couldn't always tell where my hands and feet were. So I was stumbling all over the place, dropping glasses like you wouldn't believe. And yet I didn't look sick. And it probably took me about four or five months to kind of get it all out of my system. And of course, when you're first diagnosed with MS, you're not on any medication. So I didn't know what to do and I didn't have anything to help me. Emotionally, I was all over the place. Six years later, I'm still coming to terms with how much I lost it at the time. I was really emotional, crying all the time, probably not a good friend or a family member to the people in my life. I think I got a bit selfish, but I was so overwhelmed and angry, just really angry that this disease that I remember from being a child and doing the MS readathon was now in my life and I had to deal with it and I didn't understand it. And every time I Googled, it's just terrible. Google MS and it's not great. Like, depending on what links you click. Well, I certainly didn't find any that were great. They were very depressing. My mother is a nurse and she was distraught. And I think that she was distraught not only because I'm her child, but because she'd come across lots of people with MS in the course of her nursing days and didn't want that to happen to her kid. So it took us all quite a while to be comfortable talking about
2: it and maybe thinking about it. A diagnosis of MS can be difficult to come to terms with. At first, it is completely normal to be overwhelmed with the many emotions you may be feeling.
3: When patients are newly diagnosed with MS, there can be a massive range of different emotions. But common emotions are fear, bewilderment sometimes, a sense of being overwhelmed, the overwhelming nature of the diagnosis, and anger as well. But often, I think it's a combination of those things and you know feeling somewhat lost as Astrid described.
2: You may feel confused, imagine the worst, and feel alone, but you aren't alone, and getting support from others can help you deal with your diagnosis. Dr. Parrott offers the following advice for someone newly diagnosed with MS.
3: I would recommend that they seek ongoing support. I mean, the diagnosis is often given in a very clinical and sterile environment, and there's a lot of facts, and there's maybe not as much emotion as people would like. It's difficult to get the emotion out, and the questions come later on. It's when, you know, one or two days have passed that really all the concerns and questions about the future come to the surface, and that's really the time to seek more support Probably from health professionals in the first instance, but of course, friends and colleagues that someone might trust. There are lots of support networks. There are MS nurses associated with large clinics. There's the MS Society, and they also have nurses, outreach nurses, and various support groups that can help people at that time.
2: With time and support, your outlook on life and living with MS can change. My current outlook with MS is very, very different from my
1: diagnosis. I want to be clear, I don't think having MS is great and I wish I didn't have it. That said, my life is still fine. My life is great. I'm really happy. I've had a relapse almost every year. So, you know, I do experience MS. I experience the relapsing part of relapsing, remitting multiple sclerosis and they are not great times of the year. I do what I can to mitigate them or make them less invasive to my physical and mental health. But, you know, it is what it is. And I've gotten married. I've got a great job. I've traveled the world. Life's good.
2: has taken on a positive attitude when it comes to living with MS. And Dr Parrott agrees. Focusing on the positives can help someone move forward after diagnosis, but it does take time.
3: I think there are a lot of people who have similar experiences to Astrid, notably in the first instance, that sensation of, you know, frustration and loss and fear, of what's going to happen. And then subsequently, this amazing ability to adapt to the diagnosis and the condition and to rationalize the situation in general and the symptoms and to move forward. So there are a lot of people who take a very positive outlook in terms of living with MS and can manage it extremely well, but it takes quite a long time to get to that point as Astrid described. And I think it's just a work in progress, you know, if people can continue to see the positive aspects, the fact that the treatments are excellent and there's a lot of support around you know, they will move forward through that difficult early phase.
2: Living with MS can also mean learning to adjust how you live day to day and figuring out what works for you. This is an ongoing practice.
1: My outlook and my approach to living with MS has changed and will continue to change. If I look back in a couple of years, I have no doubt that my opinion and outlook will have changed again. Now I just consider it part of my everyday life. I consider it when I am making decisions. Like when I travel, if I'm going to a hot country, I need to plan differently because I have zero ability to deal with changes in heat and I might faint in heat. So I don't choose not to go. I just choose to think about my travel arrangements a little bit more in more detail than I would have previously. So it's something I consider, but I don't let it change anything.
2: Accepting MS as part of her life and being adaptable have helped Astrid to get on with living her life, but this doesn't mean that there haven't been challenges along the way. Astrid admits she still faces many challenges.
1: The current challenges I face at the moment, I think, would be felt by most people with MS. The first one is the stigma that still surrounds the disease, even if I'm feeling great, even if I haven't had a relapse for ages sometimes people are really awkward and they don't like thinking about it. They don't like talking about it. They don't like being reminded that, you know, I'm that person with the disease that makes them feel bad. And I have less patience with that than I used to, but nevertheless, I feel that often. And particularly in the workplace, people don't like MS in the workplace. In terms of my physical health, I get tired and it's not the kind of tired that I ever felt before. It's true fatigue where life sometimes doesn't work on that day. And, I still get frustrated with that.
2: Aside from the awkward conversations and stigma that one can face with MS, the invisible nature of MS symptoms, the fatigue, the pain, the numbness and tingling, the symptoms that no one else can see or feel but you, can be one of the hardest things about living with MS.
3: So there are lots of challenges related to MS. And I think, again, as Astrid suggested, and we hear a lot of, one of the biggest challenges is that outwardly the person looks entirely normal but inwardly they're contending with lots and lots of symptoms day to day to day. And that's one of the biggest struggles with MS. And those sort of symptoms are things like fatigue, pain, changes in the bladder and the bowel function, aspects of the condition that would go unnoticed. And I think that makes daily life more difficult.
2: It can be hard dealing with the invisible symptoms of MS. To everyone else, you may look fine on the outside, but inside you are struggling, which ties in with another challenge for people living with MS, their mental health.
3: Mental health in MS is a challenge because the condition itself is associated with a higher rate of mental health issues so ms is associated with a higher rate of depression higher rate of anxiety and even a higher rate of mania than the general population and a lot of that obviously is to do with the fact that there's significant social stressors with the diagnosis and with living with ms but also potentially other organic things like brain inflammation and changes in the brain itself so There are health challenges in that respect, but they can be really well addressed with the right approach.
2: Astrid openly shares that she has struggled with her mental health, and there are times when she still struggles with it. Living with MS really does affect
1: my mental health, as I'm sure it does many people who have the disease or live with someone or care for someone with the disease. My mental health takes a dive when I have had a relapse or I'm recovering from a relapse, and that's simply because it can be tough and there's no point sugarcoating that. I also sometimes feel a bit uncertain about the future because no one can map my disease progression for me, and that can be really scary. Now that I've had multiple sclerosis for six years, I think I've got a handle on it overall. I mentioned before. The diagnosis was the hardest thing for me, and I took at least a year to really get over the shock. But six years in, I feel like I've got the shock sorted out, and now it's more the kind of future uncertainty that sometimes I find myself thinking about.
2: Since being diagnosed with MS, Astrid has made some changes to the way she lives her life.
1: I have made a few adjustments to my life and the way I do things because I have MS. However, they're not consistent because MS is not consistent. So. I make sure I plan ahead a lot more than I used to. I really pay attention to temperature and different types of travel or modes of travel that might be available to me. And I am that person who says, you know what, I'm really tired. <laughs> I'm going home. And I've let the people close to me know that if I'm tired, I will just go home. Because while I'm not you know, ill or not having a relapse, if I stay out late, then I have a terrible two or three days afterwards, there's no point. So little things like that. And I'm supported by my friends and family doing that. When I experience a relapse, I obviously do make quite a lot of changes. And mainly that means, you know, cancelling everything in my diary, which tends to be quite full, cancelling work, cancelling friend catch-ups just to deal with it, you know.
2: Take it from Astrid. You can work with your MS instead of telling yourself that you can do it all.
1: In the first year of my diagnosis, I tried to pretend that I could do everything and didn't work out very well. So now I just be honest with myself and take out what I
3: need.
2: When someone is diagnosed with MS, they may worry about how the illness may impact their work or career.
3: For people with MS, historically, I think working has proved to be a little bit more difficult. I think the understanding of MS in the community has not been perfect. The historic idea about MS being a disabling condition has been prominent, and so that probably leads to some degree of prejudice, but thankfully that's changing now.
2: And with improved working environments, it has become more and more possible for people with MS to continue working and pursue a career.
3: The working environment for people with MS and for people with MS to actually work is better than it was. And with certain structures, such as allowing for fatigue, allowing for Physical aspects of the condition, a thorough working life is quite possible.
2: Astrid still does everything she sets her heart to. And for her, this also means her work. Astrid is fortunate in that her employer is very supportive and understanding when it comes to her MS.
1: My employer is incredibly supportive of flexible work, which means that I can work from home a lot of the time. Now, one of my roles is lecturing at university and clearly I can't lecture at home, but they do let me plan in advance, swapping with other teachers, etc. So very rarely does MS get in the way of anything I do at work. I'm honest with them. They're honest with me. I'm honest with my colleagues and it actually turns out pretty good.
2: When it comes to work-life balance, Astrid admits she might not be the best for giving advice, but she shares with us one thing she's learned that helps her continue doing what she loves.
1: I'm not very good at balancing my work and life. I work too hard, as everybody in my life would tell me. So that presents a challenge to myself about how I balance my MS symptoms when I do have them and MS relapse. So I'm possibly not the best person to give anybody advice. The one thing I have learned is don't push through. If I push through, I just make it worse for myself. Everything goes better, even if it's not great and I wish things were a different way. My health is better if I take time out And that timeout often means not leaving my home and, you know, lying on the couch or lying in bed for a few days. And whilst I don't like doing that, for me, it gives my symptoms space to work themselves through their system or whatever they happen to be doing.
2: Many people find value in pursuing their work or a career to contribute to something beyond themselves. The key is to find a balance that works for your symptoms and for you.
3: So in People who are trying to balance career and MS, I mean, I think perhaps the professional view is to continue on, obviously, with one's career as they would like to do, because there's naturally great value in that. There's great enjoyment in careers and there's purpose. So with current treatments, current medications and supportive treatment, large numbers of people can continue with a very good career. But perhaps with caveats around how to deal with fatigue, how to deal with pain, how to give a little bit of extra time here and there. I mean, Astrid's example was perfect. You know, she can spend more time working at home when she's tired, when she has pain and so on. So I think the work environment has to change slightly to allow for that. But it is happening and it can be done.
2: As we heard from Astrid, having a supportive employer has helped her continue to work while taking care of her MS. But work is only one part of her life. Astrid also shares with us how important her family and friends' support is to her.
1: I am very lucky. I get support from my family, from my friends. My family just knows that... If we're having a family day or you know, we're out all day or whatnot, I will be the person who's like, I am now sitting down for a coffee and you can join me or you can continue to do the fun activity that we're doing either way. That took a while for us to get to because I felt like I was not being the participating family member. And they often thought that I was, you know, not being the participating family member. But over time we've had those conversations and now it's just totally accepted. And I'm secretly pleased that my niece has started to choose to sit with me instead of the rest of the family. So, you know, there are upsides.
2: Astrid also speaks lovingly of the support she receives from her partner. I have
1: a wonderful partner who I met after I was diagnosed with MS. So he knows as much about how I react to things and how we deal with things as I do. He is incredibly supportive. And if I say I'm tired, he just knows that, great, we're home this week kind of thing.
2: Those closest to us, our family, friends, partners, are also impacted by the challenges of MS, and this can sometimes make relationships more difficult to nurture.
3: The uncertainty around MS and the future, I think, not only take a bit of a toll on on the person who is living with the condition, but probably their loved ones as well and sometimes it's quite difficult for loved ones to know how to react and how to behave when they can't really get a handle on what's happening they can't actually see what's happening and that makes relationships potentially a little bit more tense and more difficult to if you like propagate people with ms and their partners should try to address that as early as possible and have a really open Dialogue in an open relationship. And it applies to all family, you know, parents, kids, spouses, etc.
2: Being open about your MS with the people in your life can be hard. You may feel vulnerable talking about something that many people do not fully understand. Astrid is a wonderful example of how moving past the worry about what others think allows her to be true to herself.
1: I am open with the people in my life, including my employer, about having MS. I decided to tell people in public after about a year. I I told my family and friends quite quickly. For a little while, I did regret being so open because MS is not well understood and people are scared of it. And when I come across people who are scared of it or get awkward around it, that just creates a publicly awkward situation. But also it creates work for me to do to then explain to them why they shouldn't feel awkward around me or anybody else with another disease or condition that they're not familiar with. But six years in, I've also kind of come out the other side of that. And yeah, now I do tell everyone I am a national advocate for MS Australia. So, you know, I will bang on about having MS in public quite a bit. And that's because I'm not really interested in someone else judging me because I have a disease that no one knows how I got.
2: There is still stigma around having MS. However, the more we shine a light on what it means to live with MS today, the fewer misunderstandings there will be. Dr. Parrott shares some excellent advice for people who feel awkward when speaking to someone with MS.
3: If people are anxious or concerned about talking to someone with MS and talking about MS, I think they should just try to reset a little bit, regard their friend, their colleague with MS as a normal person. It's highly likely that most people with MS will have had the condition for some time and will have come to terms with it in some way where they can talk about it like astrid can and they'll have their own boundaries so i don't think people need to feel fearful about talking in regards to ms they can be quite open and ask questions and in fact that's probably quite therapeutic for the majority of people with ms
2: dr parrot also offers his advice for people with ms who are shy or anxious about asking for help
3: In people who are timid or worried about asking for help regarding their MS, I think the main thing is to find an avenue that they feel most comfortable with. It's going to be different for different people. You know, some health professionals might be less approachable than others, so they might not feel they can necessarily have a frank conversation with a neurologist, but they may value speaking to their GP. They could value speaking to a nurse or a psychologist or even close friends or counsellors. So there's lots of options in terms of who to approach to try to get certain things off one's chest and advance, if you like, that person's thinking about their MS. So I would take a gentle approach without too much in the way of confrontation.
2: And there are many resources available to support people living with MS.
3: There's a network of clinics in the major cities in Australia And those clinics tend to have MS nurses and those nurses' jobs, if you like, are to try to improve the services and quality of life of people with MS. So often that is the starting point, you know, referrals to physios, referrals for massage, for psychologists, etc. But there's a wider network as well. There are one-to-one programs. Patients with MS who are willing to talk through major institutions like the MS Society. There are the general practitioners and their nurses, and there are psychologists and physiotherapists. So it's a matter of trying to access that system as best as possible. And usually that would be through one of these major clinics, or the GP, or the MS Society.
2: Dr Parrott mentions MS Society, but is referring to the MS organisations in each state and territory. These organisations provide a wealth of services, information and support to people living with MS. To find the MS organisation nearest to you, please visit the map on MS Australia's homepage and click on the state where you live. It takes courage to admit when you need support, and this can often be the hardest step. Everyone's journey with MS is different but you don't need to do it alone. We've heard a lot today from Astrid and Dr. Parrott about living with MS. Some of the most difficult things to deal with for someone with MS are the mental challenges around the invisible nature of symptoms and the stigma around the illness. Many people with MS have symptoms that are not obvious to the people around them, and this can be very frustrating for those living with MS because to everyone else, they may look perfectly fine. There is also still stigma around MS and other people may feel uncomfortable or awkward around someone who has MS. With open minds and open communication, we can all better understand what it means to live with MS and move forward on this journey together. To wrap up this episode, Astrid shares her advice for someone newly dealing with an MS diagnosis.
1: I've had multiple sclerosis for six years, and what I think now will continue to change. And what I've learned, I think I'll probably have to relearn several times. Having MS is a constant, and my advice to someone who has recently been diagnosed, you know, in the last couple of years, is don't think that you have to have a handle on everything at once. It's a big deal, it's a big thing in your life. And you'll probably reevaluate what it means for you many times. And that's not a failure. That means you're doing it right.
2: Thank you, Astrid, for openly sharing your story with us and giving us a better understanding on what it is like to live with MS. And thank you, Dr. Parrott, for your clinical insight on living with the condition and your practical advice to all our listeners who have MS or know someone with MS. Finally, we'd like to thank you, our listeners, for tuning into this episode of In My Words. In our next episode, Astrid and Dr. Parrott will be back to talk all about managing MS. Until next time. This episode was created using excerpts from our interviews with Astrid Edwards and Dr. John Parrott. The views expressed in the podcast are based on the clinical experience of the presenters and are not necessarily endorsed by Roche Australia. For further information regarding MS and the conditions, diagnosis, treatments, and management, please refer to the references listed in the show notes or speak to a healthcare provider.
0: Thanks for listening. Interested in hearing something special or want us to help share your story? Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time. The health information contained in this podcast is provided for educational purposes only and is not intended to replace discussions with a healthcare provider. In My Words is produced in New York City and distributed worldwide. In My Words, a Jumo production.